The following audio is presented by Grace Church. For more about us, visit discovergrace.com, or you can download our free app by searching Grace Church Orlando on your phone or tablet. Now, we hope you enjoy the message. Hey, Grace, it's good to be back with you guys. We continue to pray for you every single day that God watches over you and protects you and keeps you from both this virus and monotony and boredom, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. So uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. Now listen, um, before we jump into that, I want to tell you a quick story about something that happened in early January. In early January, Dave Fox, who is one of our elders and one of our pastors here at the church, came to me. And if you don't know Dave Fox, Dave Fox has been with me uh, since the time that Kelly and I founded the church. So he's been at this church for 17 years. And he's kind of a spiritual father, kind of a spiritual dad to me. In January, he came and he said, hey, Mike, I have a word from the Lord for you. Now, Dave doesn't do that very often. In fact, he doesn't do it very often at all. And so one of the things that I know to be true about Dave is that when Dave comes and says, this is what I want you to hear from the Lord, it is what the Lord wants me to hear. And so early January, he came and he said, hey, Mike, um, I wanna tell you something that God said for me to tell you. And that is this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I gotta tell you that when I first heard that, I was kind of like, Okay, thanks, Dave. I mean, like I said just a moment ago, that when Dave says something like that, I pay attention to that because I know that God's speaking to me and God speaks to me through trusted people in my life. And so when he said that, I was kind of taken aback a little bit because I wasn't really experiencing any major fears or any kind of worries. We had just done some stuff with some consultants and some leadership people and they were talking about, you know, Mike, the future is going to change for you and leadership and you've got to make some changes strategically in the way that you lead the church. And I thought, man, these are exciting, good, awesome things. And I thought, well, maybe that's what he's talking about. And I just didn't know. So what I did was I kind of filed it away and I put it in the background and I said, all right, well, I know that was from the Lord. I'm just going to wait and hear what God has to say to me. And so when this COVID circumstance came about and we started hearing people talk about, man, this is going to be a long process and this is dangerous and scary and all those kind of things. I heard the Lord say to me, Mike, don't be afraid. And I knew that at that moment, God was linking back to what Dave had told me. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be worried. He said, Mike, I want you to lead during this time in such a way that you inspire confidence in me, trust in me. And so today, what I want to do is I want to give to you some of the stuff that God has been given to me over the last several weeks. When I started praying about this and I started thinking through what does God want the church to be about at this point in time, God gave me very clearly, and he doesn't always do that. Sometimes God leads through other people. Sometimes God leads through the scriptures. Sometimes God leads with that small, still, quiet voice. And that's how he led this way. He said, I want you to do four things. I want you to pray. I want you to serve. I want you to give and I want you to gather. Pray, serve, give and gather. Pray, serve, give and gather. And so I started praying about that, studying about it, reading about it. And I'm going to talk to you today about the subject of prayer. But because I believe God gave this to me in January and said, hey, I want you not to be afraid because that's the posture of us as Christians right now. We're not going to walk in fear. We're not going to walk in worry. We're not going to be consumed with the circumstances that sur uh, surround us. Because of that, I believe that today's message, as well as the next three messages, are going to be super powerful for you. And hopefully for some of you who've been living in worry, been living in fear, living in concern, hopefully this sets you free a little bit. Okay, so open your Bibles to Philippians chapter four. We're gonna be reading verses one through seven, and then we'll go back and look at them in careful de detail. Here we go. 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Sintash to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right, well, let's go back and take a look at Philippians chapter four, verses one through three right now in greater detail. All right, it starts off with Paul, and Paul is describing a conflict in verses two and three between two women, right? Euodia and Syntyche. And these two women are in conflict. We don't know what the conflict's about, but Paul wants to resolve this because these two women have been super helpful in the spreading of the gospel, and they've been powerful allies for Paul. And so let's take a look at the scriptures. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. And he says this, stand firm in the Lord in this way. See, Paul wants them to stand firm. Why? Because they have been partners in the gospel for him. And he doesn't want to see these two people con uh, in conflict with each other. So he says, stand firm. So he's going to teach us how to stand firm in just a second. He says, stand firm in the Lord in this way. We want to be anchored. We want to be rooted. And we want to be well-established. We don't want to be just kind of up and down in crisis. We don't want to be up and down in conflict. Christians are people whose whose gentleness should be evident to everyone. We don't want to be filled with drama. Paul doesn't want this for the first century either. So he says this, I plead with Euodia and Sintash. I plead with them. In other words, this is a very, very serious importance. I want you guys to solve this problem. Don't continue in this way. And how does he say to do it? He says it like this. He says, I want you to be of the same mind in the Lord. Okay? So he's saying, I don't want you just to be of one mind. I don't want you just to agree with one another. I want you to agree with each other in the Lord. See, it's that part right there that makes this entire thing super powerful for us. Um, because we're in our houses so much, because we're around our kids just so much, and because we're around our husbands and our wives more than we're normally around them, we're kind of getting on each other's nerves a little bit. No, no, I know that's not you. It's just all the other people at Grace. Not you, but everybody else, right? But here's, here's the thing, here's the thing. <laughs> the, the frustrations that we're going to have and the conflicts that we're going to have, we need to have one mind, not just agreeing with each other, but we need to have one mind in the Lord. So I want to show you a diagram right now. It's a thing that I've used in counseling for years and years and years. It's so simple, but it's going to be something that's going to be so helpful just as you conceptualize, how do I get beyond just being frustrated? How do I get beyond just the pet peeves that I, I'm having right now with people around me? All right, let's take a look at that. So if you and me are having problems, if you and me are having problems right now, then here's the general way in which most people try to solve those problems. You're gonna come to me with a problem. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but when I come to you or you come to me, we come to each other, sometimes unfiltered, sometimes in the middle of frustration, sometimes just completely out of control. And the problem with that is that we end up messing up and messing up and messing up and we end up hurting each other more. So I'll talk about my wife and I for a second, right? Who we've never actually argued ever. But anyway, so, so, here's, so here's, here's what ends up happening sometimes. We will just go from, from, from me to her 
or from you to me, right? And this is what will happen. We'll fight, we'll have conflict, but we're not really using most of the resources that are necessary in order for us to grow in our relationship with God. Now listen, this is something that my wife and I learned a long time ago. We don't practice it perfectly, but it is very important. And that is this. If we're going to communicate with each other in a healthy way, if we're going to resolve conflict in a healthy way, first and foremost, we're going to need to pray. We're going to need to engage God in that process. It's not, this, it's, not, it's not about us just having the same mind. We have to have the same mind in the Lord, right? And so here's how you do that. If you and me are in conflict with each other, we don't go directly to each other. But that's how most people treat conflict. We just go to the other person in the middle of our frustration and we say things that we shouldn't say and we regret it afterwards. We have to end up apologizing. It causes hurt feelings. I want to give you a new way of doing this. Here's what I want to do. I think what we need to do is you and me in a conflict, you go first to God and then me. You go first to God and then me. Now, what that means is that when our nerves are frayed or we're getting on each other's nerves, I'm going to go to God first and go, God, she's driving me crazy. They're driving me crazy. I'm driving me crazy. And we're going to lay those things before him. We're going to listen to his counsel, his wisdom, his direction. And so what prayer does, and that's what we're talking about right now, we're going to take our conflicts first to God and then to the other person, right? So it's going to be not you and me in conflict with each other. It's going to be you and God and me. So it's you and God and me. So I'm going to bring everything that I have, my disappointments, my fears, my worries, my frustrations, I'm going to bring them to God first before I ever even mention them to her or him, or those people, but I'm going to take them to the Lord first, and then I'm going to respond to them. Because what happens is if I go directly to her, I'm going to be unfiltered. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to bring my hesitations, my worries, my anxieties, my just all my angst. But if I bring it first to God, then God begins that filtering process. God speaks to me about what is my part, and therefore I can be humble. God speaks to me in ways in which I need to just let things go. The Bible says sometimes what happens in conflict is that a wise man or a wise woman overlooks an offense. In other words, we don't need to solve this problem. Why? Because it's not worth bringing up. It's not worth diving into. It's just a frustration. And that's essentially what Paul's asking to take place in Philippians chapter four. And this is what he says in verse three. He says, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women. In other words, sometimes what's necessary is that you and me don't have conflict because we go to God. It's you going to God and then to me. But sometimes it's also God saying, hey, I want you to bring somebody else in to help in this conflict, to this tension right now. Maybe you need to talk to someone else, right? So my true companion, who's this my true companion? Well, we don't really know who that is. Um, People have guessed that maybe it was St. Luke um, because Luke was involved in Philippi extensively, but people have really just guessed through history. We don't really know who this person is, right? So he says, help these women. And now why? Why, why does he want these women to be helped so much? Here's, here's why. Because they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. You see, part of Paul's concern for these women was that they were part of the plan. They were part of the mission. One of the things that's important for us right now to remember is that when we're in conflict with, with, with each other, it's not just about us. It's not about you and me. It's about the mission. And if you and me are going to be conflict with one another, you go to God and then me. That solves the problem of the mission because God always puts his mission first. He puts his mission first. Let's continue on. 
And it says this, they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement. And this is, of course, this is Clement, uh, uh, the first bishop, one of the first bishops of Rome in history, right? Contended at my side for the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. These two women have been so powerful that along with all of this other crew that Paul was spreading the gospel in Philippi with, their names are written in the book of life. Now, the book of life is a book that's mentioned in the book of Daniel, and it's also mentioned in the book of Revelation. And it's called, in Revelation, it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And in this book are written the names of God's elect, written the names of those people who will eventually be in heaven. Now, just parenthetically for a second, this isn't the main point of the sermon, but I want you to understand this, and it might be worth the price of admission. The Bible here says that there are people's names that are written in that book of life. And without all the kind of drama that goes around that idea, I want you to think of something very simple. It's this, that God has already determined in some way how the outcome of this circumstance is going to happen. Why? Because God is on the other side of COVID. God is already on the other side of COVID. He's already there. He know, This did not surprise him. He knows the future. He knows the present and he's already figured out how this entire thing's going to resolve, and you can trust him. And I love that Paul brings this up, and he says, these women's names and those who contend with me for the gospel, their names are already written in the book of life. God cares. He is intimately concerned with how you and I act and operate in this life. So how are we going to be able to stand firm in the Lord? Verse four, it says this, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. All right, let's take a look at it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. When you see stuff like this in the Bible where it's repeated like this, it's repeated for emphasis and for strength. In other words, this is really important. How are we gonna be secure right now? How are we gonna be stable? How are we not gonna be up and down in drama? Well, here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna rejoice in the Lord. We're not gonna put our eyes on our circumstances. We're not gonna allow those circumstances to overwhelm us, right? The Bible says this, fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is forever. And what that means is this, is that everything that you see in the world right now is not gonna last forever. It's just temporary, including the fact that we're in this, what I'm gonna call right now, not the new normal, I'm gonna call it the new temporary normal. This new temporary normal that we're in right now is not gonna last forever. It's gonna come and it's gonna go. God is on this side of it and he's on the other side of it. And he is writing that story and he's moving us through it right now. And that's why, that's why we can rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because he's the one unshakable, the one that is stable in an uncertain world. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness. That's what's written in some of your NIV Bibles. In some other Bibles, that translation, I don't like it quite as much as the one of reasonableness. So let's read it that way. Let your reasonableness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. So one of the things that I love about this is as Paul is teaching the people about conflict and he's teaching the people about struggle, he's saying, be reasonable. Don't, don't walk around, like right now, don't walk around minimizing this thing. Don't walk around being in abject fear of it. Be reasonable. And he tells us why. Because God is near. Like he's present with you right now. In your living room right now, God is near to us. And because of that, because of that, the Lord is near. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Wait, hold on a second. He said, don't be anxious 
He says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, I, okay, no, 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 Paul, what you meant to say was, don't be anxious about some things or some cir- circumstances, right? Because certain circumstances surely, certainly require us to be anxious. That's actually not what Paul says. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, I think if you hear that right now and you think to yourself, well, man, I'm really failing at that because I've been filled with anxiety or am filled with anxiety through this entire situation. Here's what I want you to understand. When Paul writes these words, do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, he's saying these are universally inclusive language. He's like, I'm not giving you a loophole. He's like, in every circumstance, I don't want you to be anxious. Now listen, Paul knew that that was a fleshly impossibility that for you and I operating in our own strength, with our own power, that's impossible. But, but the Lord is near. And when the Lord is near, it is possible for us not to be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer, right? By prayer, we're gonna come to God first. It's not gonna be me and you in conflict with each other. It's gonna be me going to God and then to you, right? By prayer and petition. When you petition someone in power to do something, it means you make a request, And God's saying this through the Apostle Paul. He's saying, make a request to me, make a request to me by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. See, this is a big piece of the puzzle right now for us. We're not gonna walk around in worry and anxiety. I mean, in our own selves, absolutely. But with God's strength, his power, because the Lord is near, when we give our hearts to him, when we give our prayers to him, tell him our worries, tell him our concerns, give him all of that. Here's what ends up happening, right? It says that when we do that with thanksgiving, present your request to God, something amazing is going to happen. Turn with me right now to uh, John chapter 15. We're going to be looking at verses 4 and 5 right now. And Jesus is dealing with something right now, and he's talking about how we can be effective as Christians. And we can really look at this and say, like, how can we be effective and not anxious right now? Verses 4 and 5 of John 15, they read like this. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, let's look at verse four again. He says, we have to remain in him. And a big way that we remain in God is through prayer constantly every day bringing to him both our worries, our fears, our concerns, and also also our thanksgivings to look at God and go, man, thank you so much for watching over me, watching over my family, watching over my finances, watching over my job, whatever it is that you have to be thankful for right now, this is part of the petition. This is part of saying, God, I want that to continue. I'm asking for your, your love, your concern, your watching over me. And as we do this, we become a little bit less anxious. He says, remain in me as I remain in you. And it says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is using this metaphor and he's saying, listen, I am the vine and the church, you guys, you are the branches. And if you want to be healthy, if you want to be strong, if you want to be stable, if you want to be rooted and anchored and not filled with drama and up and down every day, here's, here's what you need to do. You need to realize I am the vine and from the vine comes all the strength and all the nourishment and all the life. You guys are just the branches. The branches are attached to the vine. And if you've ever seen like a vineyard, especially a vineyard that's in full bloom where the grapes are hanging off of the vines, it's beautiful. Why? Because you know that the vineyard is not whole until the branches do exactly what they're supposed to do. And that is produce the grapes. And it's this beautiful picture of us. He's saying, listen, if you're attached to the vine, 
then you're going to be fine. If you remain in me as I remain in you, you're going to be whole and you're going to become exactly what I need you to be, right? That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you're going to be exactly the person that I need you to be. He says this though, watch this. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Listen, if the branch detaches from the vine, it's never going to bear fruit again. And what does he mean when, bear, when he says bear fruit? That means do the things of God. Do what God desires us to do. Become the people that God wants us to become. He's saying, if you detach from the Father, if you detach from me, you'll never become the person that God wants you to be. So, so when we're back, you know, when we're in conflict with one another, when we're in conflict, you and me are in conflict, we're going to attach ourselves to God. We're going to attach ourselves to the Father. And I'm going to go, not you, me, I'm going to go you, God, and then me, right? I'm gonna go to him first. Why? Because when that branch detaches from the father, it can do nothing. It will never be what God wants it to be. But when we remain attached to him, we become exactly what he wants me to be and us to be. Verse five says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a powerful phrase, apart from me, you can do nothing. What it means is that you can do nothing spiritually. You can do nothing to solve your own problem spiritually. And he says this, he says, but if you do stay attached, if the branch remains attached to the vine, then you're gonna do, you're gonna be very fruitful. In other words, you're gonna be productive, spiritually helpful. My goal for us and my prayer for you every single day is that grace, that we would come out stronger on the other side of this. This is not a time for us to try to maintain and hold on to what we have. This is a time for us to walk out of this feeling like we're better fathers, better mothers, that we're better friends and that we're better followers of Jesus in the process. The only way we do that is by being attached to him. Let's go back to Philippians chapter four. As we summarize this, I want you to just kind of see, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. That's how, we're just gonna focus on him. We're gonna be filled with joy and we're gonna let our reasonableness be evident to everyone. In other words, we're not gonna walk around in panic. Why? Because the Lord is near. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why do you throw in thanksgiving? Because it's hard for us to not believe when we're already thanking him for something we're asking him for. It's hard to say, God, I need more hope right now. And thank you so much for the hope that you're gonna bring me and not believe it. He says, I want you to attach thanksgiving to what we're talking about. So as we pray, come with hearts of expectation, bring your request to him, bring your expectations to him, bring your desires to him. He can handle the good ones and he can handle the bad ones. And in the middle of all that, just bring him thanksgiving. God, thank you for all that you're doing. And right now, even in the middle of a COVID situation, right now, we can actually thank him for great things that God is doing. And then there's a a promise that's attached in verse seven at the very end. And this is what I wanna leave you with. Here it is, verse seven, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Well, let's zero in on the word transcends. The word transcends means to go across. So the peace of God, when we give to him our our requests, our supplications, when we give those to him, the peace of God, which goes across all circumstances, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? God's promise is he will bring us peace. We will not manufacture our own peace. The branch attached to the vine, that makes all the difference in the world. All right, we love you guys and we are praying for you. Amen? Amen.